Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Welcome, legendary listeners. Thanks for tuning in to From the Vault, a second look at some of our classic episodes. Look for a new episode every week. Now, can you go back and listen on your own at OurNewEnglandLegends.com? You bet. But you won't get the added bonus of an After the Legend segment featuring new commentary about that episode from your old pals Jeff and Ray. So let's open up the New England Legends Vault and revisit another legendary episode. Good day, fine folks. Good day. Uh, let's go fishing for a story. <laughs> like what you did there. Yeah, see that? Uh, this was the Beaver Trout of Vermont. First aired January 16th, 2020. Enjoy. January doesn't seem like the best time of the year for a fishing trip in Vermont, Jeff. I mean, it's freezing up here. It's got to be far below zero. Well, it's the perfect time of year if you're ice fishing. All right, well, that's fair. But do we have to go so far north for this fish? We're practically on the Canadian border here by Lake Mem for Magon. This fish is a legend, Ray, and they say it lives in the coldest waters in Vermont in this lake. So that's where we're going. But these fishing poles, I mean, they're pretty small to catch a legend, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but these poles should do fine. This legendary fish is a trout. It's only 10 to 15 inches in length. Okay, but what makes this trout so special? During the coldest part of winter, they say this trout is covered in fur. Today, we're fishing for the beaver trout of Vermont. Hi, I'm Jeff Belanger. And I'm Ray Osher. Welcome to episode 126 of the New England Legends podcast. If you give us about 10 minutes, we'll give you something strange to talk about today. Thank you for coming along with us as we find and chronicle every legend in New England one story at a time. We do that with a lot of help from our growing community of legend hunters who are sharing our stories and episodes and who are contacting us with the local legends that they love. Feel free to reach out to us anytime on our legend line at 617-444-9683. You can call or text us on there. You can even leave our show closing if you want to hear yourself on a future episode. And hey, we can't do this without the help of our Patreon patrons. So true. These legendary listeners kick in just three bucks per month to keep us going and growing. They get early access to new episodes plus bonus episodes that no one else gets to hear. Head over to patreon.com slash New England Legends to become a bigger part of our story. Okay, Ray, are you ready to go ice fishing? I'm as ready as I'll ever be, Jeff. <laughs> okay. But I got to admit, I've never done this before. Neither have I, but there's a first time for everything. We'll just drill through the ice here. All right, tell me about this beaver fish. Okay, up here in Vermont's Northeast Kingdom, for over a century and a half, there's been talk of a special kind of trout, one that grows a fur coat to keep it warm in the frigid winter waters. All right, wait a minute. I thought only mammals grow fur. <laughs> I thought that too. And yet, check out this postcard from 1927. All right. Well, there's a man holding a stick in line through a hole in the ice. Right. Under him, it reads, fishing for beaver trout, iceberg cove. Under it, Wow. Okay, there's a fish that looks like your basic freshwater fish. Right. But it's covered in a fur coat. <laughs> Man, Jeff, I hate fish. <laughs> I know you do. I mean, they freak me out with or without fur. 
And I can honestly say they don't get cuter with a pelt. (laughs) And under the fish on this postcard, it says, Memphromagog fur-bearing trout. And in parentheses, it says... Beaver trout. That's crazy. I, I've never heard of anything like this before. So the story comes up in newspaper archives again and again over the last 150 years, and it seems to have started just after the Civil War. Then let's head back to the mid-1800s and set this up. It's the winter of 1861 here in Newport, Vermont, on the shores of Lake Memphermagog. Two young men, Zophad Manser and Theophilus Grout are ice fishing on the lake. That's when the boys pull up a fish. A fish unlike anything they've ever seen before. Right. This fish has a fur coat. Now they bring their catch into Newport and it's the talk of the town for weeks. Is this some kind of new animal? Is this some great scientific discovery? Everyone is buzzing. But folks in Newport can't ponder this discovery too long because something big is about to go down. Shots have fired on Fort Sumner in South Carolina. The United States is now at war with itself. Zophad and Theophilus enlist in the Union Army and head south to battle the Confederates. And northern Vermont forgets all about this fur-bearing trout because obviously there's more important issues to discuss. When the Civil War ends in 1865, Zophar and Theo both survive. Though Zophar loses an arm. And maybe Theo loses his mind a little bit because he decides to come home to northern Vermont and go into the newspaper business. (laughs) Okay. Still, the two men remain friends. So picture this. One day, Zophar and Theo meet for lunch in a Newport, Vermont eatery. The two men are catching up over two bowls of oyster stew, talking about work and family, when one of the men brings up the fish they once caught on Lake Memphremagog. Hey, Zoph, remember that furry trout we caught when we were boys? The cafe goes silent. Everyone leans in to hear the story. Now, Theo is no dummy. No. He sees the attention everyone in the restaurant is giving the story. And he knows that this story will sell some newspapers. So he heads back to write it up for the following day's newspaper. And just like that, the story spreads across Vermont's Northeast Kingdom. There's a funny thing about fishing stories, Ray. What's that? Well, no one likes to be outdone. Yeah. So if you catch a fish and brag about it, I want to tell you about an even bigger fish that I caught. I get it. I get it. If you say you had a good day of fishing and caught six fish, I'll tell you about the time I caught ten. (laughs) Exactly. So if you claim to have caught a fur-bearing trout, well, there's no way you're a better fisherman than me, so I better get out there and lay claim to one, too. Right, because only the most skillful anglers can land one of these rare breeds. Soon, other newspapers are filling up with stories of other fishermen who said they've also caught fur-bearing trout. And then, a nickname is born. The beaver trout. That's what we'll call it. The beaver trout. The funny thing about news cycles is that no matter what's being reported or how interesting the story may be, eventually, people get bored and they move on. So the beaver trout story dies down for a while. But then we jump ahead to 1927. A Vermont fisherman named Ralph Sessions heads out to Iceberg Cove on Lake Memphermagog to do some ice fishing. There he is holding a line over the hole that he cut in the ice. And that's when his photograph was taken. Sessions claims to catch the elusive beaver trout. He even takes a picture to prove it. The photo of the furry trout and Sessions fishing on the ice becomes the Christmas postcard we mentioned earlier. So the legend gets a shot in the arm now. It's been decades since the buzz about the beaver trout, and now folks are buzzing again because they have a photo to talk about. Plenty of people look at the photo of the beaver trout and believe it's an obvious fake. All right. Some think this is more of the work of a skilled taxidermist as opposed to the odd hand of God. 
and then the story dies down again. But then in 1945, the beaver trout makes the papers once more. A man named Harry Richardson claims he's caught the trout and also produces a photo to prove it. And suddenly, others are clamoring for the fish. A man in Connecticut asks for a dozen of them to make a custom pair of mittens. A man from Oklahoma sees a story in the papers and asks for as many beaver trout as possible so that he can breed them. But this fish is so elusive... Or not real... (laughs) ...that no mittens are made, no breeding stock are ever caught, and the story dies down again for a few more decades. It's now April of 1974, and the Burlington Free Press runs an article on the beaver trout. Just like before, locals respond. Like fisherman E.G. Warren, who writes a letter to the editor... I was very pleased to read Bish Bishop's article on his experience with fur-bearing trout. This is the first time I've ever heard of one being taken from a brook. You have to fish deep with a heavy sinker, about two feet above the bait. Worms quickly freeze. Owing to the frozen bait and great depth, a strike seems comparatively feeble. It takes patience and some experimenting to land one of these rare fish. They never come near the surface as they suffer from perspiring in warmer waters. I've caught only three in years of fishing. E.G. Warren, St. Albans, Vermont. By this time, the beaver trout legend starts getting weirder. The story is you need to use an ice worm that's so delicate only a master can hook one. And you have to fish in the deepest and coldest waters. That the fish only has this fur coat in the winter, so there's no point in fishing for one in the summer. And the reason you can't bring your catch into town to show others is because the beaver trout is so sensitive to the warmer temperatures at the surface that the fish will actually evaporate in a short period of time once you pull it out of the water. Oh, come on. (laughs) That's what they say. All right, still around northern Vermont, you can find a store or two with a mounted furry beaver trout on the wall. It's just enough to keep the legend alive for locals and tourists. And that brings us back to today. All right, Jeff, this is sounding like a fishing story on steroids to me. (laughs) I get that, but there's so many stories over the span of maybe 150 years. And the letters to the paper, how do you get that many people in on a hoax? Plus, I did a little research and I found this thing. Ew. Yeah. I'm reading the description. It's called a hairy frog. Right. Give this a read. All right. I can't pronounce the Latin name, so I won't even try. (laughs) Fair enough, right. But it's also known as the horror frog or the wolverine frog. It's found in Central Africa, and the males of the species grow these hair-like structures on the sides of their bodies and legs that are used during mating. Yeah, it it looks like really coarse hair, you know, like a dude's beard. (laughs) It's technically not hair, though it does look a lot like it. Those things have arteries that are used to store extra oxygen when the male stays with the eggs for a long period of time. So we already know that nature is weird, right? It is, yeah. Even weirder than we can imagine. So maybe there's something to this fur-bearing trout story. Hmm. I I think we're going to need some help with this one, Jeff. I agree, Ray, which is why we made a call to the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department and spoke to this guy. Judd Kratzer. I'm a fisheries biologist with the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department. All right, I'm curious, Judd. Have you ever heard of the beaver fish before we reached out to you? I've been working here since 2006, so I I learned about it early on. One of the employees that we had at the time, he told me about the legend of the fur-bearing trout. One of the foresters in our office had a copy of that postcard on the window of his office, so I'd seen it there. 
but this um, seasonal employee that we had, we were up in the Evansville area, and we stopped in at the Evansville Trading Post, and he took me in to show me the, the mounted version that's on the wall there. So that was the first time I got to see one. Wait a minute. Is Judd saying this thing is for real? A mounted version for all to see at Evansville Trading Post? Well, not quite. It turns out Evansville isn't the only place with a mounted trout covered in fur. Others have taxidermied their own version. I guess it's kind of like an inside joke for the entire Northeast Kingdom. Kind of nice to have something like that that's unique to this area. You don't hear stories about uh, trout with fur on them from anywhere else. Is it possible there's some natural explanation for this? I'd hate to think it's some big hoax that's been going on since the time of the Civil War. It turns out there might be something to that, Ray. Judd Kratzer explains. There is actually a um, disease called ick that sometimes even fish in in an aquarium will get. It's a fungus, and it's a, a white, fuzzy covering that gets on the fish that could look like fur in some cases. Now, I had a fish tank as a kid, and I recall my fish getting ick on occasion. Especially when looking at the fish through the water, it can look like fur. But the reality is, there's no fish that are also mammals. And the postcard and even the mounted versions are just hoaxes. Hoaxes that are just believable enough to keep the legend alive. And sometimes, legends get help from the highest authorities. You're not suggesting... Judd? I think I've been one that has promoted the the gag than others. I, I, I guess you know, seeing that um, the one at the Evansville Trading Post, and then there's actually one at the um, Stonehouse Museum in Brownington. And I do my own taxidermy. When I first came here in my office, there was this, uh, an old mounted lake trout that was kind of falling apart. And so it, it sat there for a while. And then after I heard about the beaver trout, I was like, you know, I should make my own. So I took that lake trout, which needed some fixing up anyway, and I had some muskrat pelts at home, and I glued the muskrat pelts to it, and now Vermont Fish and Wildlife has our own mounted beaver trout here in St. Johnsbury. So it's a great story that's never quite dismissed by everyone because maybe you've heard the story, and maybe you caught the glimpse of something in the water that one time. And suddenly you tell a friend. Who tells another friend. Who tells another. And the next thing you know, you've got a mounted beaver trout on the wall of the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department, and then a couple of yahoos from a New England (laughs) podcast call you to talk about it. All right, you've got to see the picture of this fur-bearing trout. You do. Judd Kratzer was kind enough to share the photo of him holding his beaver trout and his baby. If you go to ournewenglandlegends.com, just click on episode 126 to see the photo. On our website, we also posted that postcard of the beaver trout from 1927. Hey, folks, do us a favor and post a review of our show on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way in helping others find us. We'd like to thank Judd Kratzer and the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department for weighing in on this week's story. And we'd also like to thank Dustin Perry for lending his voice acting talents this week. And of course, our theme music is by John Judd. Uh, this is Joseph Ames from Ospie, New Hampshire. I don't really have a story, but I just want to say the bizarre is closer than you think. All right, we'll talk about this episode right after a word from our sponsor. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. 
Sound good? Yes, expert. Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. I hate fish. I, I know. mentioned that in the podcast. We've, we've mentioned this before, slimy. But what if they were covered in fur and little cute teddy bear fish, if yeah, you will? Maybe you'd like those better. No. Probably not. Uh, this is the ultimate fishing story. And I love that it survived uh, going on 150, 160 years now. That is a phrase, isn't it? A fishing story? Fishing story. Well, yeah, when you're just like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever, when you, when people sense you're really exaggerating. Yeah, it's usually the size of the fish that you caught. And, and each time you tell the story, we, we talked about this a little in the podcast, the fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger. In this case, the fish gets weirder and weirder and weirder. (laughs) Like it's covered in fur in the winter and you have to use ice worms. There's no such thing as an ice (laughs) worm. It's just a worm made of ice. Yeah. That's so fragile. It has to, you have to just convince it to hang out on the hook, you know? Um, but, but, you know, really fun. And, and we could not have, this episode wouldn't have been the same without Judd Kratzer Mm. from the Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department, who of course made his very own beaver trout and was so funny uh, about it, you know, just talking about like, Hey, I can make one of those. Yeah. Stemmed from the postcard, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Well, the stories, of course. And then the postcard came out and everyone's like, what is this? Must be real. Because back then they believed everything. (laughs) Unlike today. (laughs) We're so skeptical today. Everything was believable back then. Back then. Can you believe they believed that the earth was round? Right. It's it's obviously (laughs) flat. We figured that out. Where is the ceiling for the sky? It's got to be somewhere close by. I've taken a few airplane flights, didn't hit it. So it must be higher than that. Um, but, uh, but anyway, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's such a great story because of Judd, but, uh, also I do want to point out, uh, this story takes place at Lake Memphremagog. Mm. And of course, in podcast 316, we did the monster of That's Lake right. Memphremagog called, uh, Memphrey. And, um, and then this story also harkens back to episode 303, the Egopantis of Shirley mm. on the, uh, the Bull Run That's restaurant right. wall, the, um, the animal that is... Most likely a taxidermied yeah. um, Frankenstein. <laughs> this isn't a, the first or the last monster. We'll, no, we'll make stories up about. Yeah, we'll probably this will come around again. Um, I'm I'm unaware. So so the Egopantis goes back, I think, to the 1940s, mm. 50s, and so it's always when something has the age behind it, you automatically tend to believe it a little more. You know, when the story's been Why around. Is that? I, it, I because it stood the test of time. I guess. Lo- it, Life was weirder back then. Well, but if it's if it, if we're still talking about it a yeah. hundred years later, a hundred and fifty years later, there must be some truth to it. Otherwise, wouldn't it have gone away? I suppose you know yeah. because think about like uh, sports legends. You know the great football players from the sixties and seventies. Yeah, At, when we were growing up, they were uh, like okay, uh, Walter Payton, not the best example because they give the Walter Payton Award if you're a football fan, right? Um, but uh, I remember seeing him play. Sure. Like, wow, guy was a monster, right? Yeah. But now you only maybe vaguely know of him because of the award. You hear his name once a year. Right, yeah. at the, the the Man of the Year Award. However, there's a bunch of players that were household names when we were kids, yep. and today they're forgotten. Uh, the Refrigerator Perry. William, William the Refrigerator Perry. <laughs> yeah, anyone under the age of 40 is now going <laughs> The refrigerator? Right? Yeah. He, that was a guy for one or two Chicago seasons Bears. that we celebrated yeah. for his size. And if you're, okay, we're really getting Was that it. Barry the Bears? Or it was after, I think it was after the, that. No, that was the, the Super Bowl Bears, Super Bowl Shuffle Bears. It uh, was. Yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't Barry the Bears. Barry the Bears was the- uh, I even remember his rap line from the Super Bowl Shuffle song. Oh, yeah, what you're was it? You're looking at the fridge, I'm the greatest. I, I forget, like, but the, anyway, yeah. so, but by the way, if you're a football nerd- uh, William the Refrigerator Perry, 330-pound running back. 
Yeah. Uh, there was no such thing. No, no. Back then, that's you, what made him so. Back famous. then, you had you had skinny guys that could run and, and try to get open. He became like he became the guy that like I don't need you to get twenty yards. I need you to get two. <laughs> you move really slow. How do you take him down? You can't. Well, so that was that was the invention of like the giant running back of right. like I only need short yards. It's it's third and one. Just fall. Yeah. <laughs> Just fall forward. Get the first down, and you're done. Yeah. That's all we need you to do, and that's that helps the team tremendously. So just, certainly a legend. Yeah. And that he, we don't remember today. So he'd get a little head of steam going, and you, you just three hundred thirty pounds coming at you. You can only stop him so much. If right, he, he's going to get a yard or two on you. Whatever became of him, I don't know. Is he still alive? I hope so. I mean, hmm. he, but I'm surprised he doesn't pop up here and there. I don't know. I because he was forgotten. Because he was forgotten. You yeah. heard he was what? You were going to make up a legend, weren't you? No, I was going to say, I heard he's uh, retired at Lake Mem from Agog. He's just to fishing. try to bring it back. Try to bring it back I to it, where yeah. we were. We, we went off the rails already. But yeah, uh, but yeah so anyway, Mem from Agog. And also, uh, there was that the woman Maggie, the most photographed woman of the mm. Northern Kingdom. She was also from oh, I remember her Lake, story. Lake Mem from Agog. Uh, she wore men's clothes. She smoked a pipe like a chimney. She fished. And, yeah. you know, and was, was highly photographed, um, uh, like a vagabond. You know, yeah. But there. we never saw a photograph of Maggie and the trout at the same time. Not once. So. And, or the monster, the lake monster. For right. That um. They're all the same person. This is a legendary lake. And just to give you an idea of how far up we're talking about, um, I th- at least half the lake, probably more is in Canada. Well, it's called a kingdom, so it's right. got to be somewhere far away. Yeah. Far, far away. Right. It is way, way up there. I've never heard of, a, of an area being called a kingdom. Northeast Kingdom. Yeah. yeah. That's the part of Vermont, yeah. So, is that odd? Because I've never heard one before. Is that is that rare? Yeah. I Well, okay, now we have to look that up. I know. I don't know the How answer. How did that... Maybe that's an episode. But everyone knows it's called that. In fact, Judd said so in the uh, when we were talking to him. Well, if Judd said so. Well, he said, oh, no, I know. He up brought here, it up. He's yeah. like, oh, up here in the Northeast Kingdom, there's these various... And I was like, oh, yeah, Northeast Kingdom. Mm. All right, we'll look it up for next time. People are Googling it now. We're well, I mean, emails. it sounds odd, doesn't it? Like you're, oh, it like you're in England or, or right. somewhere. England in 1550. Well, I guess at some point that would have been England. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. not even so before maybe, New England, it was it was, would have been Canadian, you know, territory, and so in the medieval times, that just kind of stuck. <laughs> it's a kingdom. kingdom. It is. It is. All right, someone's kingdom, but uh, but it's a legendary lake with multiple stories. So if you ever get that far north, you have many a tale to to track down from lake monsters to vagabonds to uh, you know the very elusive beaver or fur-bearing trout. Do you think that folks up that way are conditioned to um, design new? The legends from time to time because of the past legends and it's like that one's getting kind of old we need a new legend <laughs> we need a new one yeah uh we need this slimy scaly elk yes yeah because <laughs> right. we've talked about the other ones right. so much yeah right maggie's gone yeah there's only photographs of her now what do we got next yeah and they have a meeting it, and they pitch their ideas that's not bad. Slimy elk. Yeah, that sounds pretty yeah. good. He lives in the lake, but he's seen on land sometimes, but he's a fish. Can't catch him. No. Because when you grab me slimy, he just yeah, slips just right through. Slips through. So goes, no one's ever caught him before. Right. All right. <laughs> this could be, something could be brewing up there in the Northeast Kingdom. <laughs> uh, so even though you, you loathe fish because they're slimy and yeah. gross, you couldn't even get on a, a furry one? Mm, I don't think so. No. What's it taste like? Fish. No. It's going to taste like fish. I say chicken. Mm. Then I'd... I'd, I'd I have no problems with it. If it was prepared for No, you. I do like fish, actually. I like 
eating fish. Sure. I like eating fish because I'm so angry at them. Right. You're like, <laughs> I'll take one out of circulation. This will teach you. <laughs> yeah. I love fishing just to get them out of the way. Right. Somebody else has to take it off the hook though. And hook the worm too, if we're being honest. <laughs> I'm okay with the worm. Yeah. Although that's gross. That's it is slimy nasty. too. It's not so slimy. It's how it wiggles and stretches. When so you have it in your finger and it's like coiled up. Yeah. And then once you start to hook it, it starts to, uh, uh, you know. Because it's being tortured I and know. Killed. Yeah. And it's happening in your fingers. Right. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Let's then, not go fishing. Then you eat the thing that that eats. Uh, yeah. 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 And then some kid in fifth grade forces you to eat worms. Right. Well, fried. Book. Yeah, I'd eat fried worms. That yeah. never happened to me. Classic. No. I read the book, though. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Uh, not to ruin the story, he ate the worms. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Spoiler anyway. alert. Spoiler. Yeah. So, um, so if, anyway, if you're that far up north uh, in Vermont... Be sure to stop by the lake. You'll maybe catch it, if only if it's winter. You might see a furry trout, although probably not, uh, unless it's mounted on the wall of a restaurant. Uh, or you might see a lake monster, or you might see the ghost of Maggie. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.